Welcome to the Best of MBS podcast, a collection of the best interviews hosted by Michael Bungay-Stanier, best-selling author of The Coaching Habit and How to Begin. Today's interview is from The Coaching Habit podcast. Here's your host, MBS. I'm Michael Bungay-Stanier. Yes, this is The Coaching Habit podcast, where we get to talk to all sorts of interesting people and tap into their approach, their thoughts, their tools, their wisdom around coaching and how to be more coach-like. You know, being more coach-like is deliberately wider and broader than being a coach because we're all about this shift of behavior, how to help people stay curious a little bit longer, how to rush to action and advice just a little bit more slowly. And my guest today, Selena Sue, actually comes from a mutual connection. Some of you will know the name Rich Litvin. He is a name amongst coaches. He's been a guest a number of times on our podcast here at Box of Crayons. I've been a guest on his podcast. He's just a great guy. And uh, Rich was one who connected us, uh, Selena and I, together, going, look, you're two really interesting people. You should talk. And he was right. We should talk, and we are talking. Selena's not from an area I know particularly well because she's a publicity and marketing strategist for entrepreneurs and experts and coaches and authors who want to reach millions with their message. And she's worked with a bunch of well-known people to help them get featured in things like the Oprah Magazine and Forbes and Inc. and all sorts of different podcasts as well. So she's really helped her clients become industry leaders with big, big money uh, businesses and fan bases and lots and lots of followers as well. So interesting. I don't know that much about this world, so I'm really curious to dive into Selena and find out more about it. Her whole approach is about building powerful and long-lasting relationships with influencers in a, thought, a thoughtful and authentic way. And I really think some of those insights about that relationship building will really come out during this conversation. So Selena, hey, welcome. Thank you. I am so excited to dive into this. Yeah, me too. Me too. And you know, we've talked a little bit about how you show up in the world. Yeah. And of course, at Box of Crayons, we stand for great work, having work that has more impact, work that has more meaning. So how do you talk about your work right now? Sure. Yeah, there's really two parts to my work. So and they're interconnected. So one is helping people get connected to other influencers to help them reach their goals faster. And the other one is helping them go from this almost like a hidden gem to becoming an admired industry leader. Right. Um, so, you know, in the, you know, in terms of relationship building, I feel like that, you know, with every big goal that you have, whether it's getting publicity or getting a big client or getting a book deal or you know, maybe it's achieving work-life balance or traveling the world. There's someone else who has done that and can help you get there faster. So I really think the fastest way to reach your goals are through relationships. So that's what I help people do. And the other piece is really um, using publicity to get your message out there to millions of people. There are so many people who are deeply loved by their handful of clients. Maybe it's 10 or 20 people, or maybe it's a thousand people, but they realize that there's this whole other world of people that they could really be helping except that those people have no idea that they even exist. Right. And so I really like to help them get their message out there, um, get them seen and really get other people so excited about their work. These other influencers who've got these media platforms so that they open up their audiences of a thousand, 10,000 or a million people to them. So more people learn about them. So that's what I'm all about. You know, it's probably, gosh, what, 25 or 30 years ago that either Dan Pink or Tom Peters started talking about building the personal brand. So this okay. concept's been around for quite a long time now, but somehow feels more important than ever. Why is it, why does it matter to kind of build this sense of 
status, I guess, and kind of profile in this world. Yeah, I mean, because it's, you know, one thing for you to tell people that you're the best at what you do, you know, to have this phone call with a prospect or to go to a networking event and say, hey, like, I'm really good at coaching. I'm really good at X, Y, Z. But that's just one-on-one communication with publicity or with influencers that have reached that platform. You've got leverage. So instead of talking to one person, you know, you are reaching 10,000 people or 100,000 people in one go. But not only that, but you're getting that third-party endorsement that adds more credibility Like if you're just saying that you're the best, that's not really your reputation. Your reputation is built by what other people are saying about you. And when other leaders say that you're the go-to expert, then other people start, you know, thinking and viewing you in the same way. Um, And that's really key, you know, and especially nowadays, like, you know, when people are deciding who they want to work with as a coach, they're not just going to go onto Google. They're going to ask their friend, who is the go-to expert in this area? You know, they're going to look at who is kind of out there, who are people recommending, referring, or who are these high-end clients and leaders working with. And that's how they're going to make their decisions in terms of who they want to work with and who they view as the best. You know, sales has had this long reputation of being a bit kind of slimy and horrible and, you know, the classic, always be closing, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, or right. that sort of stuff. And yeah. there's a whole piece around positioning around sales around, actually, this is giving people permission to buy the thing that they want to buy. And I think there's a similar kind of taint, if you like, that comes with publicity, which is like, you know what? I don't want to be one of those people that are all noise and no substance, all hat, no cattle. Mm -hmm. What about the people who've got a degree of anxiety around, look, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the Kardashian of my community, you know, a bit shallow, a bit self-obsessed, a bit. It's all about me taking selfies of myself the whole time. I mean, I'm, play- I'm painting an extreme picture here. But... Yeah, no, I get that. I think a lot of people feel uncomfortable about publicity for a number of reasons. You know, people will say like, you know, I'm not the kind of person who just brags about myself. It's not my style. Mm. Or, you know, or maybe they're like, well, I'm not at that Martha Beck level. Like, who right. am I to think that I could pursue these kinds of opportunities? But the thing is, there are so many media opportunities available to us. There are so many influencers that have platforms, whether it's their blog, their newsletter, their podcast, there's magazines, there's TV. Um, so there are just, you know, countless number of opportunities to get your message out there. And there's also different types of publicity opportunities. So, you know, you maybe see people, some people getting ahead, you know, with more of a sensationalist approach. That doesn't have to be your approach. You know, let's say you want to focus more on depth and really sharing your ideas and thought leadership. Online media tends to be the best for that. So with guest posts, you know, you have the time and space to really, you know, share your ideas, your personal story, your philosophy, you know, and get people to really fall in love with that. And then also with podcast interviews, you know, what I love about podcasts where they're typically, you know, 30 minutes or even an hour long. And so that's a great opportunity for people to fall in love with your work. Um, With TV, which can be game changing for people, that does tend to be, you know, a shorter interview. Sometimes it's 90 seconds or three minutes. Right. Um, So, you know, for a lot of people, including myself, that are looking to reach very specific niche audiences in a very deep way, I think that guest posts and podcasts are best. When you reach this point when maybe you're looking to do, uh, when you're selling like a book or some kind of mass product, then, you know, mass media can be better. But you know, there's definitely, you know, an outlet and an opportunity for you to share your ideas in depth and authentic way. It's just about identifying, you know, what they are. Nice. So to turn the, the focus away from the kind of the work you're doing to kind of how did you get here? What was the journey for you? You know, one of the things that we talk about at Box of Crowns and I'm always just curious about is, you know, 
when people show up on this podcast, they're typically, they're at a certain level. They've done something. They've got a degree of notoriety or fame or however you'd like to put it. And it's so easy to go, oh, they just got there in a kind of easy single leap. And that's so often not the case for any of us, right? We've all kind of stumbled around and got there. And so often there've been these moments, these crossroad moments where you've made a decision, you've gone this way rather than that way. And it's kind of ended up shaping your life and your work. Uh-huh. So I'm always just, I'm just nosy. So I'm just curious to go. <laughs> so look, when you think about how you got to where you are now, that quote, your inspiration is when your past suddenly makes sense. Uh, are there one or two moments from your past which kind of have been formative to help you get to where you are now? Definitely. Absolutely. So I would say that this really began in my late 20s when I was having a quarter life crisis. Right. And, you know, I found myself at the time I was working at a women's nonprofit making about $42,000 a year. And, you know, I mean, things were pretty good overall. I had, you know, a boyfriend, I had a job, you know, I was living in, you know, amazing New York City, but I was feeling unhappy and lost. And so I joined this woman's life coaching group and we would, you know, meet, you know, once a week and get together in this circle. And through the coach, I got exposed to people like Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra, Louise Hay. And as I continued to search um, and, you know, read these books, and discover things online, I would learn about other thought leaders like Marie Forleo, Ramit Sethi, Danielle Laporte. And I remember thinking, you know what, I want the whole world to know about these people because I was feeling lost. And I know a lot of people feel lost in different ways, whether it's they're unhappy in their careers or trying to find their purpose, they're in a bad relationship or they want to heal their health. And I realized that I, I knew it for me, like, you know, and for others, we don't just need more information. We need inspiration. And these thought leaders, experts, authors, coaches embodied this message of possibility and through their personal stories and their example and the way in which they share their information, you know, they could transform lives in a really big way. Mm. And so, um, you know, at the time I was, um, I was working at the nonprofit. I was thinking about applying to business school. And I thought, you know, do I maybe want to work in PR, maybe work in an agency where I can help like this, get their message out there. Could I be an entrepreneur? I mean, I didn't really see myself as that just because I'd always been that more quieter behind the scenes person. And I felt like to be an entrepreneur, you had to be this bold, um, you know, I don't know, gregarious person, but that really started it for me. And even though I wasn't being paid, I would just naturally like start connecting people, boarding their, you know, newsletters, videos, trying to be helpful. So that was really the moment where things started to change for me. Wow. That's really exciting. I've got a bunch of things running through my head around this. Yeah. What tempted you to actually step into being an entrepreneur about that? Because there's one thing to go, oh, you know what? I like these people and I'm forwarding their emails around. Right, right. There's another thing to say, I want to be an entrepreneur. Because honestly, a lot of people who go, okay, maybe business school. You know, I tend to think of business school as like the soul, the what is it, the gathering of lost souls. Like, I don't know what to do with my life. Why don't I do go to business school? Because maybe that will show me the way. Right. <laughs> and so often business school makes you go, okay, so now I'm going to join a consultancy or going to become a mid-level manager somewhere. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. But to go rather than business school, I want to become an entrepreneur. What tipped you into taking that leap? Because that's not a small thing. It's definitely not a small thing. I mean, I found that in business school, I had um, a fair amount of time because I pretty, it just became clear pretty quickly that I didn't want to, you know, work at a consulting firm or, um, you know, any of these uh, traditional business school jobs. 
And so I took on a summer internship and I worked with a really inspiring female entrepreneur and I helped her build her new media company. She had previously had a multi-million dollar business and I was helping her launch something around her personal brand. And I was doing both business development and operations. And um, as I saw the kind of value that I was adding to her, I realized, you know, I'm more than just an underpaid nonprofit employee. I really do have something valuable to add. And during my time in business school, I started developing relationships with um, one of my mentors, Ramit Sethi. At the time, I was just a random newsletter subscriber who had bought one of his courses, but I bumped into him on the streets of New York one day, and um, that really changed my life. You know, he was not expecting me. He was letting his parents into a car, and um, you know, he didn't even have his like contacts on. And uh, but I introduced myself, and I was really excited and chatty. And, um, you know, he was surprised because his average reader at the time was like a, you know, nerdy guy. And here I was like this, you know, young woman in business school that knew his stuff inside out. And, you know, we became friends. I started going to his local New York meetup and becoming friends with his friends. And then one day while I was in business school, he um, sent me an email saying, I'm, you know, relaunching or updating my website. Would love if you could take a look at these different mock-ups. And I got so excited. I left the classroom. I was actually taking, um, I was in my entrepreneurship class. I left the <laughs> library. Right. I spent like the next five hours, like doing market research, asking for my um, business school classmates opinion on the layout, the copy, the images. And, you know, and I was analyzing, I wrote up pages of feedback and I sent it over to him. And he was like, Selena, this is incredible. And he shared it with his team. And um, so even though, you know, he's never been a formal client of mine, right. uh, there have been many of times where I've kind of gone above and beyond for him because I feel just genuinely excited and honored to contribute in some way. And so um, he's been able to be someone who can support my work and tell people about me. And as someone who's purchased so many of his courses at this point, about 10 of his programs, I become a star student. And so anyways, while I was in business school, you know, I had to do interviews with people about, I don't know, my strengths and kind of where I see myself going. And at the time, you know, I didn't really know where where to go next. I thought like maybe right. could I work for like a Tony Robbins or would I work in HR doing women's initiatives or something like that. And Ramit said to me, like, you know, you are so talented, like you could really do anything. You know, there's so much more than what you're thinking of. And um, I guess around that time, Marie Forleo had reached out to him saying that she was looking for help with PR. And um, he was like, you have to talk to Selena. And so we connected nice. and she became a huge fan of what I was doing. And Danielle Laporte, who I had been nurturing a relationship for years, also connected me with Marie. because She had wanted to connect me earlier. And so at a certain point, I had like Remy, Marie and Danielle Laporte seeing me as, you know, one of the best people at what I did. And I was like, oh my gosh, if they see this in me, why don't I see it for myself? And, you know, sometimes it takes other people seeing right. potential to make you realize I've got something here that's worth pursuing. That's fantastic. I mean, that's a great story. I mean, we've had Danielle on the on the show a couple of times. Oh, amazing. Actually, he and I shared a po um, an editor together for our first book. So I know these folks pretty well, and it's wonderful that you made these connections. And for the folks listening in, there's something here around the enthusiasm of going above and beyond to be noticed, for sure. But I think just to your point, Celine, there's something about the power of actually seeing role models, because so many entrepreneurs, I'm one of them, go, I didn't really grow up with an entrepreneurial role model. My parents were, worked for the government in Australia. My brothers both worked for the government in Australia. 
And actually, it was only by accidentally getting my first job and finding myself in an entrepreneurial context. I was like, oh, that's kind of awakened the fire of that entrepreneur within. So there is something for those of you who are sitting here going, you know, what am I going to do with my life in that very broad way? It's a good question to ask yourself is who are the people I know who are potential role models for potential paths for me? Because you hear in Selena's story just the power of what those role models can actually provide for you. Uh-huh. Hey, Selena, let me just may build on the story you've just been telling, but as well as that kind of exciting crossroads moment that you've just shared with us, it's a great story. One of the things that I also believe are people as they become more expert in what they do is they have a degree of self-knowledge, self-awareness. And that comes in part from learning your lessons, doing your work, sharpening your saw. And I do tend to think that most of us have just a few lessons that we need to keep learning and keep practicing because we've all got our old familiar patterns. And it's about becoming more and more masterful about tackling those patterns that may not always serve us. So I'm curious for you, as you think back on your path, you know, what's the hard lesson that you've had to learn or maybe you have to keep on learning? Sure. So there is this saying that, you know, the success of your business is determined by the quality of your clients. I, I know that Marshall Goldsmith has said that before. Yeah. And there have definitely been times where there have been people, students and clients where I get really excited about them. They've got a lot going for them and I see their potential, but there are certain red flags. And these red flags come up like after I've already fallen in love with them and I've gotten so excited about their work. Nice. I just kind of like let them linger for a while. But I find that it's just so detrimental to have clients that are not a right fit. You know, maybe they have got a bad attitude. They're not willing to do the work. Or, you know, maybe they have a lot of mindset issues around being seen or getting publicity or asking for help. And then, you know, sometimes their kind of personal issues can become something where they they turn like their frustration or anger towards, you know, you as a coach or the program or whatever it is. So I've always been the kind of person who, you know, I love to go above and beyond for people and be that person that finds these hidden gems and helps them become big. But certain people are just, you know, we're just not on that for each other. And so it's always, you know, I think that's probably the most painful thing is when you're working with people and, right. you know, you, you do everything you can, but you can't help them. And, you know, but it's helpful and clarifying when you, you're working with like, you know, which I typically am, you know, multiple people at the same time. And it's like, okay, one person's taking this material and running with it. And the other person is just, you know, having issues. So that is a painful lesson. I mean, I definitely do feel like I'm getting better at it because it is so painful to have, you know, problem people in your community. But yeah, that's definitely a big lesson for me. Yeah, you know, Marshall, he says exactly that, which is, and somebody taught him this, he said, look, your problem is client selection. Because you know, Marshall's whole business model as a coach is to say, look, I'm going to coach you for three months or six months or for a year. And if you don't see the results at the end of this time, you don't have to pay me. Mm -hmm. And so... That's a bold statement wow. to call to action for that person. But honestly, it's a call to action for Marshall to go, look, I'm only going to work with people who I think are going to do the work to get the results because otherwise I'm going to be working hard and, and not getting paid for it. So yeah. that, that way of framing it, even if you do this, not literally, but metaphorically, we go, if I didn't get paid, if this client didn't make progress, would you take this client on? And that's a pretty bold criteria by which to kind of judge yes yes let's work together or no let's not work together wow powerful stuff <laughs> yeah hey Celia, so 
you know, you work with coaches, you work in this world of self-development. I mean, Daniel Laporte, Marie Folio, Ramit Sethi, probably none of them would actually call themselves coaches, but they certainly work in this world of self-development. Sure. Yeah. Well, they started, well, some of them started off as coaches. True. Marie was a coach for years. Um, Danielle did some coaching, but yeah, they, their businesses have evolved more to being authors and, and more, you know, thought leaders. And teachers and the like. Teachers. You're absolutely right. I'm curious for you, because the people who are listening to this, you know, some of them are coaches for sure, but there's lots of people who are, who wouldn't call themselves coaches, but they're looking for strategies and tools and tactics to help guide people to have more impact and do work that's more meaningful and kind of higher, makes more of a difference in this world. So, you know, drawing on your toolkit around helping people to raise their profile, build authentic relationships. Is there a tool or two that you use when you're working with people that's a favorite one for you? Something that you go, I love this process. I love this tool. I love this model because it always seems to move people along the path. Absolutely. So uh, my number one tool is to get people to develop their influencer list. So this is a customized list of influencers who can help you reach your goals faster. And when I say influencer, I'm not talking about Oprah Winfrey or Richard Branson, even though I guess you technically could put them on your influencer list, but I'm talking about people that can help you reach your goals, you know, in the near future. So these could be mentors paid or unpaid. It could be colleagues who are a couple steps ahead of you, yeah. people who are super connectors. It could also be people who are your super fans um, and your star students or people that just want to be helpful. Right. But um, the first step is really getting clear on what your goals are. And I think in the world of coaching and online business, a lot of people think, you know, like their goal should be list building. And sometimes it is, but sometimes it isn't. You know, I've run high-end masterminds and I've gotten people, you know, purely from referral or, or you know, individual outreach. So it may not be your email list. It could be something else. Maybe it's you want to write a book one day. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's you want to figure out how to create leverage programs. Like get really clear on what are, you know, the top two biggest goals that would move the needle for your business and life. And then the next step is to identify who are people who can help you reach these goals. They've already achieved the goal. They're on their way to achieving it. They're connected to people. And those would be people on your influencer list. Because, you know, and I think it's a very valuable exercise because sometimes the people that can help us the most are people who are in our own backyard, but we just don't see them. We just forget that they're even in our network. So that process of identifying what you really want, what will move the needle, and then writing those the names of those people down is just a very eye-opening experience for people. Do you have a suggestion on how many people to put on that list? Because part of what I find is a really useful discipline is to always impose limit. Yeah. Because otherwise you can just go, look, I'm he here it is at 400 people that I've written down because I oh, just right. Googled stuff and, you know, and I went on whatever. Whereas if you're like, is it a 10 or is it 15 or is it 20? Just so that you go, look, if I'm going to try and nurture these relationships... These, I, I've only got so much time in this on the planet. Absolutely. Which are the ones am I going to actually put time and focus and energy to? Yeah. And, and before you answer, I'm just going to say to everybody listening, this, by the way, is a wonderful tool, regardless of whether you're building your own business or trying to build your own profile, kind of in that kind of uh, I'm an entrepreneur way. If you work internally, if you work in an organization, it is super smart to know who your influencers are there because in the same way, People, you make progress in this life through relationships and through stories. So this discipline is wonderful no matter where you are in your career, no matter what type of work you do. But Selena, to you, give us a number. Is it five? Is yeah, it 25? Absolutely. Is it 105? 
Um, I recommend 20. So, you know, five is too little. And even with 10 people, you know, you there may be people on your influencer list who, you know, you find are now hard to get in touch with, or maybe they're immersed in projects that they are just, you know, busy. But with 20 people, I feel like you have to push yourself a little bit to come up with that list. But also it's enough people so that if you don't get much of a response from someone, you can always move on to the next person. Now, while you're brainstorming, I mean, feel free to have a longer list. If you have 50 people on the list, you know, go ahead. Um, You know, it can be helpful to kind of go through your cell phone and see whose names show up that you feel compelled to put on your influencer list. You know, scroll through LinkedIn or Facebook. Right. Um, So you can have a longer list, but then pare it down to the top 20 people that you want to focus on. And put that in a Excel spreadsheet or some kind of Google Doc. And another tip that I recommend is to add this to your calendar entry. You know, one time a month, maybe it's the first Monday of every month, you spend 30 minutes taking a look at your influencer list and thinking about how can I circle back with any of these people? You know, do I want to go onto Facebook and see what they're up to? Should I check what's happening on their blog? That's just like a good touch point to make sure that these people are front and center. You don't have to contact them all the time. But every month, think about your influencers and how you can be helpful to them. How long do you need to be helpful before you can ask for something in return? Mm-hmm. I mean, it really depends on what you're asking for. So, you know, this is a tool that my mentor, Meet Sati, um, has. It's called the straight jacket technique. And so really imagine yourself in the other person's shoes, in this straight jacket. What does it feel like to be them, to be the person receiving the request? For me personally, I don't like to make requests unless I think that the person is likely to say yes. You know, my natural assumption is that people are extremely busy. They're stressed out. They've got a lot going on with their family, their friends, their business. They're short on time. They want more time. And so that's kind of a space where, you know, your request is coming into. And so, you know, you always want to make it easy for someone to say yes to you. You want to show them why this could be in their favor. And so those are some things I keep in mind, whether I'm asking for a testimonial, for an introduction, a client referral. So, you know, a lot of times, like, let's say if I'm looking to be, but like introduced to someone, or I want them to share some information about an offering or something, you know, I always do the heavy lifting. You know, I offer to write something up for them. I give them materials. I also give them an easy out. I never have this expectation that someone is going to say yes. Right. But there, you know, I could go obviously more in depth in terms of how I craft my emails, but kind of high level, those are the things that I think about. Just make it easy for someone to say yes and also put yourself in their shoes. You know, why would they want to say yes? This is too big of an ask. Is it an an appropriate ask? Because if it is, then it's something that I would hold off on. And oh, one more tip around that is I often will say like, you know, I want to run an idea by you. You know, because then it's like kind of light, you know, wondering, oh, would you consider this? Does this make sense versus like, will you do this for me? So this has been a great conversation. You know, I, I guess I do know a little bit about this world just through thinking about how we promoted the coaching habit book over the last couple of years and the like, but actually bringing the discipline and the insight that you, you, how you think about it has been really useful for us. So thank you. For people who want to find out about you and about the work you do and about, I know you run a, a big kind of annual program. Yes. Where can they find more about you? Yeah. So they can go to selinasue.com. That's my website to learn more about me. And um, like Michael said, I have an annual program called Impacting Millions. You can go to impactingmillions.com to learn more. If doors are open, you'll need to check out the program. And if not, you'll need to sign up for the waiting list. So that's those are two of the best places to learn about me. Oh. So it's been a pleasure. Thanks for your time. Thanks for the opportunity.
We hope you enjoyed this Best of MBS interview. Want more great content? Head to mbs.works. There you'll find MBS's new podcast, Two Pages. You can learn about his best-selling books, and you can join the newsletter. That's mbs.works.